going to talk about Joseph. Um, I love this series that uh, Derek has started off of these heroes of the faith from, from Hebrews chapter 11. And I got Joseph. I was assigned Joseph, and I've studied Genesis. You could turn to chapter 37 where we'll start. Um, but there's like five or six chapters about Joseph. And I have probably 20 or 30 messages. So it will be a three-hour service. Is that? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm kind of slicing and cutting as, um, as we go. But it's just such a tremendous example to us. This man, Joseph, such an example. And um, I like to say this to start it out. When Joseph was 17 years old, he had a couple of dreams. And these dreams were literally from God. And they all ended up coming true. And they honestly were kind of farcical because he dreamed that his the 12 brothers, or actually 11 brothers and one sister, and his father and mother would end up bowing down to him. And he would rule and reign over them, and he would be high up in a world empire as leader. And he told them the dream. Now, you could fault him for that. And I understand that maybe he's prideful. Hey, did you hear the dream I had? You're going to bow down to me. <laughs> Isn't that going to be awesome? But hey, you know what? Was that from God? Was this dream from God? And should I be believing it? Maybe he was saying to his father and to his brothers. Or maybe he was putting it out there. When and if it happens, we're all going to be shocked. So this is what he dreamt. But ever since that time, Joseph's life became a nightmare for 13 straight years. So he had a couple of dreams, and he was excited. His brothers were not, as we'll read, and they hated him for it. But was it from God? Was it from God? You know, you can have dreams from bad pizza. You can, have, you can have dreams from, you know, a pandemic. You can have a lot of reasons for a dream. But is it the plan of God? Is it something he's speaking? Now, he used this in Joseph's life. But then his life became a nightmare. Let's read. Verse 2, chapter 37. This is the history of Jacob. Okay, Jacob, his father. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. Now, Israel, verse 3. We can't read every single thing because we don't have enough time. But now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a tunic of many colors, right? You've heard that story. He had the robe of many colors and all this stuff. But it says his father, Jacob, looked at him as his favorite son. And he was telling everyone, this is my favorite son. Don't do that. 
That stinks when you do that. Why? Because the other people hate that one. And let's read how they did. It says, they saw, verse 4, his brothers um, saw that their father loved him more than all the other, you know, all his brothers. And so they hated him and could not speak peaceably. And then look at verse 6. So Joseph said to them, well, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. And then he tells them a dream about these sheaves and how the other sheaves bowed down to his sheaf. Same sort of message. But I want to tell you and read the second dream, which was the same basic story. Verse 9. Then Joseph dreamed still another dream. Okay, these two dreams. And he told it to his brothers and he said, look, I've dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. But this time he went beyond telling his brothers. So he told it to his father and his brothers. And it was really well received. <laughs> no. Look at this. And his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you've dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him. They were really jealous because he was loved, you know, the favorite, all that. But his father kept the matter in his mind. It caused so much conflict. But was it from God? Was it God's plan? Yes, it was. But from there on, it became a nightmare because his brothers hated him with a passion. The quick story is they sold him as a slave then to some Ishmaelites or Midianites that were going down to Egypt. For eight years, he worked as a slave in Potiphar's house. All right, And then for five years, he was in Pharaoh's dungeon because he was falsely accused of raping Potiphar's wife. And so he was put in prison. So 13 years, from 17 to age 30, his entire adult life thus far was in enslavement ever since he had those dreams. And what was going on? God brought him right to the verge of fulfilling the dream through difficulty, through the hardships. His ways of fulfilling his children's God-given dreams sometimes is working through difficulty. Like Jesus said, in the world, this fallen world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Yeah, be of good cheer. You're going to have tribulation. <laughs> you know, tribulation is the Greek word thlipsis. It means pressure. Pressure, like pandemics. And, and being misunderstood and being mistreated. And you know, you can get bitter and super angry. There's no indication that he did. Now, when he was, you know, bringing them to the place of them receiving forgiveness and being restored and all of that. He put them through some tests. But 
God was working. Now, Joseph showed such great faith. He decided to trust God. And his character grew. He kept trusting God in every situation. First, as a slave, he worked hard. He became the number one slave of all the slaves. Woohoo! <laughs> and then as a prisoner, he was a model prisoner. He became the number one head inmate to the warden. I mean, isn't that your goal in life? <laughs> but the point is, is he didn't get all bitter about it. He didn't go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm giving up on life and I'm giving up on God. No, he tried his hardest and he just sought to do his best to honor the Lord. That's amazing. Well, it got worse because... Jacob wanted to find out how the brothers were doing. They were out feeding the sheep in Shechem, and, and then they ended up moving them farther away to Dothan. Well, he sent Joseph out there. Go find out how your brothers are doing and let me know. And so he goes out there, and he goes to Dothan finally. And what happens? Verse 17 at the end, it says, Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan, chapter 47, 17. Now, when the brothers saw him afar off, even before he came near, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said to one another, ha, look at this dreamer's coming. <laughs> Come therefore, let's now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we'll say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben, the oldest, he heard that and he, he, he delivered him out of their hands. He said, let's not kill him. Um, let's not shed his blood. Let's just throw him in a pit and leave him there. That's better. That's a better idea. And so it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers, they stripped Joseph of his tunic and they took him and cast him into the pit and the pit was empty and there was no water and they sat down and they were eating Imagine that. They're having a picnic, and oh, he's in the pit. Isn't that interesting? Oh, well, okay. Well, Midianite traders come by, right? And Judah gets an idea, and, and he says to his brothers, 26, well, what profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come on, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites, and, and we'll make a profit. You know, there's no profit in it's killing him, you know. That doesn't help anybody. Let's sell him. I mean, these are amazing guys. Now, these are the 12 tribes of God's nation. <laughs> guys, oh, brother. And so they did. They took Joseph's tunic to show Jacob so he'd been killed, right? But they... Um, sold him to these traitors. And he, the Midianites, verse 36, sold him in Egypt to Potiphar. Okay, get this. He's meeting the captain of Pharaoh's guard. And he becomes the slave because Potiphar, the officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard, buys him. 
despise him. So God is doing a work. It's, it's not easy. It's difficult. But Joseph's working hard. He's not giving up on life. He's not giving up on the Lord. Look at chapter 39. Verse 1, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him, or bought him, excuse me, from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. But look at this. How could he endure all this stuff? The Lord was with Joseph. Hey, this is your life right now. You're in it. Is the Lord with you? It's more fun to have a life with God than one without him. Do you know anyone else who can cause all things to work together for good to those who love him? Do you, do you have a friend? He can work all things together for good for you. I mean, there's some friends that can help you, but who can help you in every single thing and turn it for good? Yikes. <laughs> That's crazy. And he uses hard times to help us learn about stuff on the inside. Okay, so the Lord was with him, and he was a successful man in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw the Lord, and that word is Yahweh. So Yahweh wants to show the, all the Egyptians and the whole empire of Egypt, as well as Israel, that God is the true Lord. The Lord was with Joseph, he was a successful man. His master saw that and that the Lord made all he did to prosper. So this guy is blessed. And verse five or verse four says, Joseph, the guy that's blessed, that Potiphar chose as a slave, he's super excited about it. Hey, are people excited when you're working for their company? Or are they like, that guy's such a complainer. Or are you shining the light? And you're not pointing your fingers at everybody else, but you're trying to show the example of Jesus. He can help you if he's with you, right? It's nice having him. I like how Jesus said, in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I am, I've overcome the world. Be of good cheer. <laughs> That's crazy. Be of good cheer, oh man. Well, so it was from that time that he made him overseer of his house. His whole house was blessed. Everything he did, inside and out, completely blessed because Joseph was in charge. And so he left all that he had, verse six, in, this is chapter 39, in Joseph's hand, and he didn't know what he had except for the bread which he ate. He didn't even know anything. Yeah, you're having, uh, you know, a, Jimmy John's sandwich this, you know, tonight. That's what we're having. He didn't really know anything other than that because he put Joseph in charge. Now, at the end of verse 6, it also says, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, which means he was a really good-looking guy. And he had a good physique. It's kind of like Derek and myself. Uh, <laughs> well, Derek. Kind of like Derek. I love you, Derek. Well, the devil likes to mess things up. And as you're facing trials and temptations, 
And as you're going through super hard stuff, who do you look to or what do you look to for comfort? What do you look for for help? Do you look to Jesus? Do you look to God? Do you keep trusting him? Or do you go, I can't trust you because you don't make everything easy for me. And you don't treat me nice and make everything prosper and I get to go to Disneyland three times a year. And so I need something else to make me happy. The devil loves that. And he loves to present sexual temptation as a means to comfort yourself. And pleasure when we feel overwhelmed with our problems. And so the plot thickens. This is a real story. This really did happen. And so verse 7, he was handsome, right? Verse 6, good bod. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, Potiphar's wife, she cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, go to bed with me. But he refused. And he said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is, um, what is with me in the house. He, he's not even worried about it because I'm in charge. He's committed all that he has to my hand. There's no one greater in this house than I. Nor has he kept back anything from me, but he has kept you back. Well, hallelujah. He's a good husband. Oh, yeah, you can have my wife too. He may have felt like that. I don't even know. But, as we'll see, Joseph respected the sacredness of marriage. He loved that. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph refused her. And he gave four good reasons. Number one, he respected the sacredness of marriage. If you're having premarital relations right now, if you're having extramarital relations, you're not married to that person you're having relations with, you don't respect marriage. And you're sinning. And the devil likes to twist God's gifts and use them for selfish reasons. He respected the sacredness of marriage. He didn't want to sin against his boss. I mean, you're his wife, not mine. Thirdly, it would ruin Joseph's integrity. Are you like not bothered that you don't have integrity? Are you a bad guy or a bad gal? And finally, he loved God, the true God. So he told her, how could I do such evil and sin against my God? You know, the world loves to pervert and twist what God has made such a wonderful thing. Many women think they're finding joy, love, and security as they give themselves over to the desire of a man. But you know, if it's not a commitment of marriage 
sacrificing to serve them your whole life? What's happening is, in case you wanted to know, he's just gratifying his lust. Don't, don't provide for it. Don't provide. And many men think that sex is a great source of relief and pleasure in the midst of a hard life or a demanding world. They don't realize that sex outside of marriage and outside of true sacrificial love for life, that gives short-term pleasure and long-term pain. And it can get to be a lot of succession of things. And it hurts people. Now listen, you guys. God's not prudish. He made sex. Hallelujah. He created it. I used to tell my kids, you know, God made sex. I love having sex with your mom. I would tell their friends that. But let me tell you, don't do it until you're ready to commit your whole life and you do it. God created this and he meant it to be a bonding together. Genesis 2.24 says, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and the two shall become, notice he says, one flesh. He doesn't say one spirit. Hey, when you get married, you're just one spirit. No, you're one flesh too. And it helps binds you together in a holy union. It's actually a holy gift of God to you in the context of marriage, but outside that context, it's not. Now, does that mean if you failed that you're, you're hopeless? No, not at all. We all fail. We think lustful thoughts. We may do lustful things. But it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive you and me of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses a person from all sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's so good. But he cleanses you not to keep sinning but to show you his power and grace because sin shall not have dominion over you because you're no longer under law, but under grace. In other words, God's gonna give you grace to say no. And that's what happened with Joseph. He said no. And that is such a wonderful thing. Now, this gal kept trying to force her way. Joseph would have nothing to do with it. And then one day he came in and there were no guys in there. There was only him and her. So he he's, wants to leave, but she comes up and grabs him, grabs his shirt. And he's trying to run out. And so he unbuttons his shirt or he just, he just rips it, whatever. He's, you got the shirt, but not me. Flee youthful lusts. You get a friend request 
from someone that's enticing you, do not even look at who that person is. Just look at the picture and go, er, delete. That happens. It really happens. It's so available. But we're in spiritual warfare. And though we walk according to the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh, but the weapons of our warfare are divinely powerful. What are they? Jesus is with you. He's fighting for you. And the word of God is strong. It feeds your spirit and nourishes that relationship because Christianity is a love relationship. It's not just going to church. Amen? And so you deepen that relationship. It's so sweet. And he strengthens you so you can say no. And that's what he wants us to do. But then when he ran away, she cried out, rape. And she told Potiphar, same thing. And so lo and behold, he comes home. And in chapter 39, his wife told him, your servant did to me, chapter 39, verse 19, your servant, this, this Joseph guy, he did this to me. And Potiphar's anger was aroused. And Joseph's master took him, put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were complying. Now, in other words, he put him in the prison where people who directly sinned against the Pharaoh would go because he's got some high ups in there now. And now Joseph is there and he's going to meet some guys that are going to get him an audience with Pharaoh. All of it is from God. But he's like, what is happening to me? Now I'm a rapist. Okay, I'm going to be the best prisoner I could ever possibly be. <laughs> well, he had to show, this is not true of who I am. This is not true. Because look at this. The Lord was with Joseph. Verse 21, and showed him mercy and gave him grace. That's what he's going to do for you. Are you receiving that every day? You know, his grace and mercies are new every morning. They're new every single morning. Are you getting them every morning? Come on. Say, I receive your grace for this morning. I really need it. I need your help. I know I'm 71. You can believe that. And... I feel like I need him more than I've ever needed him in my life. And I've known him since I was seven. But I need to know him in a deeper way now. I've never been in a pandemic before. Has anyone else? I know more pandemics are coming. But maybe a lot of it will be in the great tribulation. And prior to that, I plan to go to heaven. Either he'll call me home, death, or Rapture City. I'm going to be with you, Lord. I just want to be ready. I want to live my life like I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready. I'm, I'm trying to lay up treasures. But it's not easy. But when the Lord's with you, it's not only easier, but it's real. The Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, verse 21, and gave him favor. And I love this. The keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners. You know, a man's gift make room for him. 
He, he had a gift from God. He could lead. He's quite a leader. But look at verse 23, the last verse. The keeper of the prison didn't look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. In other words, he didn't let bitterness choke out his trust in God. He didn't sit around feeling sorry for himself. He said, you know what? I'm still going to live for the Lord because that's my greatest joy. If I'm in prison, I'll be in prison with God. You know, like the, like the three Hebrew boys were with Jesus in the fiery furnace. There's a fourth man in there. He looks like the son of God. And the son of God hasn't even come yet. Oh, I guess he's been around for quite a while. But now he's born as the God-man. Wow. God's with you. God's with you. Will you receive? Will I receive? Okay. All right. So now Pharaoh has dreams. <laughs> okay. So he's having dreams, and he dreams that there's these sheaves, and the first ones are super-duper abundant, and the next ones, oh, it's no good. But then the the good ones, they get, you know, eaten up by the, the small ones, right? And then he has another dream, and I want to read that one. It says in verse 41, um, it came to pass at the end of two full years. Okay, listen. This, these guys, the butler, okay, the cupbearer, he gets thrown in jail. Pharaoh's cupbearer. And then Pharaoh's baker, he gets thrown in jail. So now he's with the, the uppity-ups. Uh, they are convicted felons, but, you know, he's with them in prison. He's, and I love this part. Pharaoh has these dreams, but look at this. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Joseph came in one morning in the prison, right? So he's coming in from his cell, and he looks at all the prisoners, and he sees these two guys, and he says, oh, wow, they look sad. So he talked to them, and he says, hey, how come you're looking so sad today? And they said to him, well, we've had a bad dream, I think, and there's no one to interpret it. We don't really know what the interpretation is. Now, you know what? This is profound because when you're feeling sorry for yourself, and beware of self-pity. That can take you to the pit. And beware of bitterness. Can I read a verse about that? It says in Hebrews 12, 15, look carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. You're not receiving the grace. And so a root of bitterness springs up causing trouble. And by this many are defiled. Who's defiled by a root of bitterness? Bitterness. Number one, I am if I have it. I'm letting it choke me and my faith and my hope. And I'm disbelieving in the Lord. And I'm doing it on my own. I'm going after other idols. That's no way to live. And you know who else gets hurt? Your family. Because they feel the anger and the wrath. And basically, you become a loser. You're just going around blaming people and, oh, did you hear about so-and-so? And, oh, yeah, and there's a dark cloud over you. And people don't really like to be around that too much unless they want to do the same thing. So Joseph didn't go to that. He didn't let bitterness come in and creep in like that. 
okay. So they have the dreams. And Joseph goes, hey, well, the interpretation belongs to God. Tell me the dream. And uh, I'll, I'll, I, I think the Lord will use that. And we'll get it. And so the chief butler, <laughs> verse 9 of chapter 40, he told him his dream. And he said that uh, there was a vine before me. And the vine had three branches. And, and it budded and blossomed. And grapes came out, these big grapes. And and. Pharaoh's cup was all of a sudden in my hand again, and I took the grapes, I pressed them, and I poured the grape juice and the wine into the cup of Pharaoh, and oh, I was restored. Well, see, Joseph says that. That's the interpretation. Three branches, three days, you're going to be restored, the cup's going to be back in your hand, you're going to be butler again. Congratulations. Now, the baker hears that good interpretation and he goes, hey, can I tell you my dream? I want to get a good interpretation too. And in my dream, there were these three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked foods. And the bird, little, little birdies came and ate it out of the basket on my head. Isn't that cute? Come on, give me a good answer. Je and Joseph said, well, here's the interpretation. Three baskets are three days, but it goes downhill from there. <laughs> you know those birdies? They're in a tree, and you're hanging from it. Mm. You need to pray right away. Can I lead you to God? Really. There are people who are on the road to destruction, but he wants to use you to help them get ready, to help them know the real God to help them because he loves them too. Okay, so Pharaoh has these dreams. Now, here's this dream. They're in prison. Now, oh, one last verse I need to read. Verse 23 of chapter 40. The chief butler, Joseph said, would you remember me when this comes true for you and the good happens? Will you tell the Pharaoh, you know, there's a guy in prison and he shouldn't be there and can you help me get out? But verse 23, and he tells him, yeah, I'll tell, I'll tell Pharaoh that. Well, the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but he forgot him. How long? Two more years. Two more years. Okay, so Pharaoh had this dream. All right, let me just tell you that one of the two dreams. Verse 2, suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, and it says they were fine-looking cows and fat. It's kind of like with Joseph, that same word, fine-looking. They were handsome cows. Yeah, handsome cows that were fat because that's a good physique for a cow. <laughs> then behold, seven other cows, it says, came out after them who were ugly and gaunt. These, these cows were ugly. Now I think all cows are ugly, but you know, this, he said they were good looking, the other one, so whatever. Gaunt, they were scrawny. It's, they're scrawny, skinny, and they stood by the river. Long story short, the skinny ones ate up the seven fat ones. And Joseph goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, God is trying to show you something. But see, he didn't even get called in until he tried all his magicians and all his soothsayers and the magi and the wise men. And he said, tell me what this means. And they couldn't do it. Even though they were schooled, in the routine of the occult divination, they're going, we don't know. We don't know. And all of a sudden, 
God gave the butler recall. All of a sudden, his memory went crazy, and he goes, oh, yeah, Joseph, he's in prison. Oh, I've blown it. Oh, no, you didn't blow it. God was letting you forget everything for his timing's sake. Because then Pharaoh had those dreams. They called up Daniel. He said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, those fat guys, uh, there's going to be seven years, 7,000, you know, Seven years, it's going to be abundance. You, you need to save up the food, save up all the steaks, some hamburger, and, and also those sheaves, you know, save up the grain, get all the food stored, and then there's going to be seven years of famine, and you'll have plenty for everybody, not only in Egypt, but the whole world, and I'm going to save Israel too, and a bunch of other nations, and Egypt, and the whole wide world, and this is what you need to do, Pharaoh. And Pharaoh goes, well, who can I put in charge of that? You're the smartest man I know. Hey, what do you think, guys? Shouldn't we put Joseph in charge of this? Joseph says, I'll do it. And the sons came up, and they got the food that they needed in the famine years. So did the Egyptians. Joseph was celebrated. He was prime minister. God has a plan for your life. It's a good one. It's like Jeremiah said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a future and a hope, not calamity. Now, there might be some calamity on the way to the other, but that's not the end result because I've loved you with an everlasting love. This is what he told Jeremiah. Same sort of thing with Joseph. I've loved you with an everlasting love. And that's why I've drawn you to myself. Have you been drawn to Jesus? Because he loves you. And he wants you to love him back. He wants you to trust him. Quit trusting yourself. You don't have all the wisdom in the world. But God does. He providentially lets things happen because he loves you. Now, there's some things you're not going to go like, how did that work together for good? Uh, you'll have to wait for heaven on that one. One last thing. In the small things, do your best. Work your hardest. Stand out. Be a Christian worker. And God will bless you, and he'll give you more. And then receive grace every day. Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ. He was beloved of his father, just like Jesus is the unique God-man, the only begotten son of God. Je Joseph was hated by his brothers. Jesus was hated by Israel. And the leadership of Israel wanted him crucified. He came to his own and his own received him not. That hurt. But to as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Whether Jew or Gentile, we get to be part of it. Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. 
Joseph was thought dead because of the blood on the many-colored coat. Jesus did die. He gave his son to death so that you would not perish, that you'd be forgiven of all your sins if you believe in him. You know, I love you guys. I've just met you, but I really love you guys, but not that much. I have three sons and seven grandkids. I wouldn't give them for you. Now, that's grandsons. I also have four. Wait, seven granddaughters and four grandsons. I'm getting my numbers mixed up. You see what I'm saying? God has loved you. Jesus has loved you. He's loved me. If I'll receive it every day, I can go through anything. And God will help me overcome lust. God will help me overcome bitterness. God, through Jesus, will bring me in to a relationship of abundant life, which is to know God. This is eternal life, to know God and Jesus Christ, whom God has sent. Through Jesus, we can be connected and joined with God himself. Tonight, I'm going to talk about being joined with the living. You know, there's hope for those who are joined with the living because it's better to be a live dog than a dead lion. Isn't that a sweet verse? Yeah, that, this, pa this pastor's weird. It's Ecclesiastes 9.4. I'm going to tell you what it means tonight. There's a life with God. Are you in it? Are you in it? Because he's got an abundant life for you along with some trials. He's got dreams for you. You're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, just like Joseph, which he prepares beforehand, just like Joseph, that you will walk in them. Ephesians 2.10. That's what he has for you. Now, some of you don't know this kind of a life of friendship and closeness with God. You can have that. It's good. We just have to press in deeper. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for this great group of people, this light, this church that is a city on a hill, overlooking and shining upon Sin City, they call it. I think Seattle is Sin City. But Lord, I thank you for this church that's shining as a light. And Lord, for each of us, where we're at, you are calling us and you have plans to give us a future and a hope and to use us. And you're setting up, you're preparing things beforehand for us to do good to people, to show your love and your reality. If you're here and you don't really know God in that kind of way, where He's your closest friend. Perhaps you haven't yet experienced God in a brand new life relationship. He wants to give you that. And I want to pray with you. Maybe you're here tonight and you, or this morning and you struggle with things we've talked about like bitterness and unforgiveness and anger issues and lust issues and and wanting security but looking in the wrong places kind of things.
jealousy and stuff like that. Will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? Say this prayer after me from your heart to God. In fact, let's all say it. Let's all say it. Pray after me these words, would you? And say it from your heart because we need him so much. Just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying for the guilt of my sins. Thank you that your blood can wash away the shame of my sins. Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to walk with you in a close relationship. Show me those dreams and those plans that you have for my life. Every day, help me see those things that you've prepared for me that day. Thank you, Lord, that you are a providential God and you work all things for good to those who love you. Help me love you back and trust you Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, there's, there's some people here to pray because that was a simple prayer where you can get to know and grow in knowing the God who loves you. But some of you have these issues and it's not a shame to get further prayer. For those. So let's all stand. And we're going to sing a song here. And I, I would like it if you would come and pray with these folks. I mean, uh, Pastor Brandon and all these wonderful people, they're here because they want to, number one, if you don't have a Bible, they want to give you a Bible. Okay? And then they want to give you some materials so you can keep growing in these things. And so we're here. We're here to serve you, you know? I do have one book. And so, <laughs> anyway, we, mainly we want you to pray a little bit more who feel this need. Because honestly, if you pray the prayer that we just prayed, and then you go out and lust like crazy the rest of the day, it's going to negate everything. It's not going to mean that you don't trust him and love him, but you're not showing it, and you're not entering in. So now things, he's here to transform you know, what good is it? Hey, here's a new life, but you can do whatever you want. And sin in a way that hurts you and everybody else. Oh, whoopee. What a life with God. Come on. So, I know this is a kind of a negative altar call. Huh? <laughs> I believe there are people that need to come down here to pray with these individuals. So do that as we sing.